This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today. We perhaps have those watching today for the first time, and we want to welcome you to our telecast. We have those that watch every time we're on the air. As a matter of fact, I have a friend who watches the telecast, and while he's watching it, he will send me a text telling me some of the things that I've said. I appreciate those that are watching and the interest people have in the Bible. Now today on our telecast, I have a, uh, we're, we're going to discuss a subject I think will help us all. I, I think, I want you to stay tuned. We want to talk about motivation for living. Well, sometimes what we really need is just to be motivated. Well, what is the motivation that we have to, to live a good life, a successful life? And how can we go about doing that? Let's stay tuned today as we discuss that. Now, now on our telecast, we're offering a free Bible correspondence course. We have thousands of people that have already studied the course. They have many, many people who have finished it, sent it back to us for grading. And there are those today that are living the Christian life because they have studied that free Bible correspondence course. We want you to have it. We want to pause now long enough you can learn more about the course than you can learn how to receive it. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free. 1-877-711-5214. I'm reading now from the book of Joshua, chapter 1, and I'll begin reading at verse number 5. There, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee, Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and thou, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. That there is a basic desire in people 
for success. I have yet to meet a person to tell, that would tell me it is my chief goal in life to be a failure. I, I believe most people want to be successful. Man goes into business and he wants to be, make a success of that business. A young person goes to college and they spend a lot of money to get a degree. It's not to be a failure, but it's to be a success. And here's an athlete, and he works out hard, and sometimes young women do the same, and, and they spend countless hours of preparation preparing not only their bodies, but their minds for competition. But they're not doing that to fail. They want to be successful. They want to win. So I, I believe that all people, regardless of who we are, where we are, want to be successful. Now in the text, Moses has died. Moses had been the leader of God's people for some 40 years, leading them through the wilderness. But now he is dead. And the responsibility of leadership now falls on the shoulders of Joshua. And no doubt as the mantle of Moses fell on his shoulders, there may have been some thoughts that went through his mind. Maybe he thought, I wonder if I'm up to the task. Here are all these people, and now I'm supposed to be the leader. Or he may have wondered, will they follow me? Or he may have wondered, will be, be successful because, you see, he was going to lead them in the conquest of Canaan. But in our text, God gave him a promise. God gave him some encouragement, the encouragement that he desperately needed at this time. And he needed the encouragement to be the leader of God's people. I have an idea right now that there's some father that needs encouragement to be the leader in his home. Maybe there are others that are leaders out in the community that maybe are discouraged right now. And they need encouragement. All of us need it. And Joshua needed encouragement. So here's the promise that God made to Joshua in verse 5. There shall not be any man able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. Well, you see, they were going into the land of Canaan. They were, their responsibility was to take the land, to to move the Canaanites out. They were going to move into their homeland. 
And the Lord's promise was, there shall not be any man able to stand before you all the days of your life. And then he said, as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. Well, now that causes me to raise a question. How was he with Moses? Well, first of all, he was with Moses when Moses was just a baby. And when his parents hid him in a little uh, boat made out of bulrushes and Pharaoh's daughter came down to the water to bathe and took him home and reared him as her son and the, and the grandson of Pharaoh. God was with Moses then. God was with Moses when he had to flee the land because he had killed one of the Egyptians. God was with Moses when he was tending the flocks of Jethro, his father-in-law. And that's when God appeared to Moses and said, Moses, Moses, uh, take, uh, the ground you're standing on is holy ground. And he called Moses on that occasion to go back to the land of Egypt to become the leader of the people. He was with Moses then. He was with Moses when Moses appeared before Pharaoh and began to plead that, to let God's people go. And God was with Moses when they finally came to the Red Sea. And there was the sea before them. And then the Egyptians began to pursue after them to bring them back to the land of Egypt because now it dawned on them that they, they don't have anyone to do the work now. They're going to have to bring these people back to do the labor. And so God was with Moses there at the Red Sea and caused Moses to take his rod and when he lifted up his rod, the waters of the Red Sea parted and they walked across on dry land. God was with Moses when he went up on Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments. He was with Moses as they journeyed through that wilderness. He was with Moses when they came to Kadesh. And they sent some spies over into the land and, and they came back. Ten with a negative report, two with a positive report, and because they believed the negative report, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and Moses was their leader, and God was with him then. And God was with Moses when he died. You see, God was with Moses every step of the way, from the time he was born to the time he died, and he was with him in, the, in some of the, the, the greatest problems that a person could possibly have. God was with him. So the promise was, just like I was with Moses, well, I'm going to be with you. And then God said, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. Our God is a never-failing God. Our God has never failed to promise to bless and to protect his own. He's promised to do that. And he's never failed to keep his promise to bless us and to protect us. He, he, has, he has never failed to, to keep his promise to provide the needs that we have. He's able to do such. Philippians 4.19 says, My God is able to supply all of your need. But in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 32, we're told that he already knows what we need. He knows you have need of all these things. And the things talked about there are such things as food and clothing and shelter. He knows we need those things. 
and he provides for us. Psalms 37, 25, David said, I have been young and I am old, and I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. He's never failed. God has never failed to punish an evildoer. That's something else he's never failed to do. You see, the Bible teaches that whatever we sow is what we're going to reap. And if we sow to the flesh, we're going to reap corruption. We sow to the Spirit, we're going to reap life everlasting. Galatians 6, verses 7 and 8. And God has never failed to bless a person who was liberal with the blessings that God has given to them. Proverbs eleven twenty five: The liberal soul shall be made fat. The word fat there means prosperous. Prosperous. He is a never failing God. And the promise that God made here was, I, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm going to be with you, Joshua, just like I was with Moses. But now there were some conditions that were involved in God being with him. And those conditions are mentioned in verses 6 and 7. These conditions, at least two of these conditions, are mentioned three times in this first chapter. First of all, the Lord said, you must be strong. You must be strong. You know, a person with a weak physical body is a pitiful thing. Sometimes people fail to take care of their bodies and they become weak physically. And sometimes they... They die before their time because they fail to, to do things to help their bodies be healthy. But I think one of the most pitiful things to witness is a person who has a weak soul. They're not strong in the faith. In 1 Corinthians 11, in verse 30, the Bible says, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you and not a few sleep. So there were those in the church at Corinth that were weak and sickly. But, but God's command to Joshua is be strong, be strong. We're to be strong in the Lord. Ephesians 6 and 10. Be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might, it takes strength to stand. It takes strength to stand against the, the winds of worldliness today. That, that, I, I've often thought that, that organized atheism and infidelity will, will never destroy the church of our Lord. Is it a threat? Absolutely. Is it something of wh for which we ought to be concerned? Absolutely. But it will never destroy us. If we are destroyed, it will be because we destroy ourselves from the inside. Because we don't have the strength to stand against the winds of, of the world and the culture in which we live. That's why Paul wrote in Romans, the 12th chapter, I beseech you therefore, brethren, 
by the mercies of God, that, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. And I'll tell you, you have to be strong to do what Paul said. It, it takes strong convictions to go against the tide. It takes strong convictions to stand up for what you really believe. I, I, am, con I am persuaded that there are certain convictions that we should hold for which, if necessary, we should gladly surrender our lives rather than give up those convictions. There, there ought to be some convictions we have about the reality of God, that God is, that God exists, that God is over us and above us and in us and through us, that God made everything. And I would give my life rather than surrender my conviction about the reality of God. We, we ought to have some convictions about the truthfulness of the Bible. I realize today there are those that question the truthfulness of the Bible. But the Bible has been here a long, long, long time. God's word is forever settled in the heavens. Psalms 118, 119 and verse 89. And it's going to be here when we are gone. The word of the Lord abideth forever. And I need to have conviction about the Bible, that it is God's word. His inspired word, his infallible word. And that it is the final authority for my life. You see, we need to be strong. Be strong. And we need to be so strong that nothing, absolutely nothing, can cause us to move. Now that's the kind of strength Joshua was going to have to have. So first of all, God said, be strong. And then secondly, he said, be courageous. Be courageous. Well, there was not going to be any place for cowards in taking the land of Canaan. Do you remember the story over in the Old Testament uh, about Gideon going against the Midianites? And, and Gideon's army was, what, 32,000? God said, why don't you just send all the fearful and those that are afraid back home? And guess how many out of that number went back home? 10,000 men that were afraid. Didn't have any courage. And he, now he still had 22,000. The Lord said, take them down to the brook to drink. And, and those that are careless and they get down on their hands and knees and they lap it up like a dog. Said, you set them aside. And then those that would cup water in one hand and then they would hold a spear in the other hand said, you set them aside. Those are the watchful ones. The others are careless. And so when it wound up that Gideon had an army of 300 watchful 
courageous men. And they were able to defeat the Midianites. It takes courage to live today. Yeah, I, I, I realize that it takes courage. It takes courage to stand for your convictions. It takes courage to, to say no to sin. We have some of you that are tempted to do things you know you ought not to do. It'd be very difficult for me to believe that in the numbers of people that watch getting to know your Bible that we don't have people that are tempted to drink or to use drugs or to engage in, in, in sexual sin. And it will take a lot of courage for you to say no to those things. God told Joshua, what you've got to do is be strong and you've got to be courageous. But then the third thing he told him to do is to comply with his law. He said, I want you to comply with my law. And he said, I don't want you to turn to the right hand. I don't want you to turn to the left. I think we understand about what it means to comply with the law. Picture yourself out on an interstate driving your automobile and, and your mind begins to wander a little bit and you're not aware of how fast you're going uh, until you notice a light flashing in your rear view mirror and you look and there's a policeman behind you. And he finally comes up to your window and he says, me, I see your driver's license and your insurance and your registration." And you want to know, well, what's wrong? He says you broke the law. The speed limit is 70, and I clocked you at 88 miles an hour. You say, well, I really didn't know that. He said, well, I'm sorry, but you broke the law. You were not complying with the law. We understand that. And we must comply with God's law. And the Lord said, I don't want you turning to the right. I don't want you turning to the left. And we could apply that in a lot of ways. Don't become a radical with the Bible and don't become a liberal with the Bible. You know, a person that's radical is a person that's going to bind where God is not bound. And a person that's liberal with the Bible will loose where God is bound. So we don't want to turn to the right. We don't want to turn to the left. We want to just take the Bible and teach it. We want to take the Bible and believe it. We want to take the Bible and obey it. And don't try to change it. Over in the book of Deuteronomy, and in the fourth chapter of Deuteronomy, and in verse number two, there the Lord said, Add not thou to my words, you shall not add to my words, and neither shall you diminish aught from it. We can't change the Bible. If we do we imperil our soul by changing it. And I think how so many men and women who claim to be teachers of the Bible have changed the Word of God. They've changed the plan of salvation. They've changed things about the church. Changed things about worship. But God's message to Joshua was You've got to be strong and courageous 
And I, any of you ought to obey my word and you don't turn to the right hand, you don't turn to the left. And if we had more people today who did just those three things, you just think what a difference it would make in the world today. If people would be strong and standing for what's right, if they would be courageous and stand up for their convictions about things, and if they would have a greater respect for the Bible. Well, said, suppose you had been Joshua. Suppose you'd been Joshua, and the Lord said that to you. Would you have been prone to ask, well, Lord, if I, I do that, Lord, said, how, how's, it go, how's it going to all turn out? And the Lord, notice what the Lord said to him in verses 7 and 8. He said, turn not from it, talking about his word, to the right or to the left, that thou mayest prosper, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. And then I like what he says in verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Some people don't have the word of God in their mouth. They don't have it in their heart. They don't have it in their thinking. But Joshua was to have it in his mouth. That is, he was to teach it. He said, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do all according to that is written therein. And then listen to it. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then you'll have good success. You'll conquer the land. We'll never really be successful in life if we leave the word of God out and the instructions God has given to us. God instructs us in this book to believe in His Son, John 8, 24. He instructs us to repent of our sins, Luke 13, 3. He, he instructs us to confess our faith in Christ, Romans 8, 37, uh, Acts 8, 37, Romans 10, verse 9 and 10. And in this book instructs us to be baptized into Christ Acts uh, chapter 2, verse 38. To wash away our sins, Acts twenty-two sixteen. Those are God's instructions. And he instructs us to live a faithful life. It's not enough for a person just to be baptized. It must be faithful to the Lord. So I'd urge you to do what the Bible teaches here. To not turn from the right to the right. Don't turn to the left. But keep on obeying the will of God that you may have good success. All people don't prosper. You can't prosper and turn away from God. Job 9 and 4 asked the question, who hath hardened himself against God and prospered? And the answer is, no one. No one. But we prosper when we do what God says. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. Give me the Bible. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, 
Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles. Thank you.